On one summer morning, I carefully did stray down by the walls of waving, where met a sailor gay, conversing with a bouncing lass who seemed to be in pain, saying, William, will you go? I fear you'll ne'er return again. My heart is pierced by Cupid, I disdain all glittering gold. There is nothing can console me but my bonny sailor bold. No, you don't have to. This is all cat. <laughs> I I learned I learned the singy things. I did it. Yeah, she I learned them months ago. I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about this since the week we did Abandoned by Disney. <laughs> I God literally. Damn. I yeah. know. Yeah. When I was, it's been a hot minute. When I was rescheduling with him, I was like, I mean, I totally understand if you guys like already recorded it, but like, you know, do we? Do I still need to brush up on those songs? And he was like, Yes. And I was just like, Tear. I'm like, Thank you so much. <laughs> So hey everybody, welcome to Two Towns Over, and this is actually a Two Towns Over. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a full, full we're, we're actual deep, deep dive episode, and as you can hear, the cat came back. Yay! Yay! Finally. We put the litter box outside, <laughs> and don't actually do that, it's not a good thing. No, Sin- not in Florida. I just realized I don't have snacks. Shit. Snacks oh, are over there. I've oh, cool. Snacks. We do have snacks. We still snacks. have the snacks. I, the snacks are in view. I was yeah. not worried. Nice. Do you and want I have the with... snacks? No, I'm, okay, I'm good great. at the moment, but thank you. But yeah, Cindy has constantly, she's like, when is Kat coming back? And I was like, I don't know. She, whatever you did to piss her off, <laughs> you apologize. <laughs> Dawn's gotten in more trouble. I yeah. literally remember asking you if I did or said anything to make Kat feel weird. I was like, <gasps> did, I, did, I, did I make her feel weird somehow? Don, and Dawn was like, what? And I was but, like, okay, but like, yeah. But the no! sad thing is, is I actually thought that it was me because the last time she was here, she, yeah, we all have anxiety, cat. Yeah. That's how we process things. And she had like pulled this out, and jokingly, I was like, "What the fuck did you do?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said it just like that, and you know, I know I was joking, and I knew you were joking. But I didn't know that she knew I was joking. And when I'm editing, I'm like, "Oh fuck, that sounded mean." And I had to no, message her. I was like, did, did. I, did I piss you off? No, Kat's just a dum-dum and I overschedule myself. And I <laughs> am an introvert and I just need lots of recharge time. Yeah. And No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> we came to that realization later after we had all had like our little bit because of Because you're like, all such what good-hearted individuals. I won't tell anyone. Don't worry. Your secret's safe with me. Yeah, besides the people that are listening right now because we are recording. <laughs> no, all the people that are listening right now know I'm a bastard. Yes. <laughs> So anyway, so welcome to Two Towns Over. I am Don. I'm Ruben. I'm Josh. And I'm Kat. And today 
We're doing a full two towns over on um, the Kraken. The actual, uh, which is weird because I, crack- I used to only drink Kraken. Yeah? Yeah. I like the bottle. I yeah. switched to Black Magic afterwards because the name was good. True. <laughs> but I have the Kraken Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I used to drink. Okay. I, I used to only drink Black Spiced Rum. Gotcha. Because yeah. I was a, a dignified 19-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Who wanted to be a pirate deep down? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, oh, obviously. <laughs> Read One Piece, you fucks. I, even I started One Piece. It's, listen, our initial readings are positive. We're hopeful that he'll <laughs> like it. <laughs> I did really like the first chapter. I haven't read any more yet. I gotta, I'm sending Kelsey the link as well because yeah. I told her she's got to be on my podcast about it. <laughs> I've been working on her just as long as you. I picked up one piece at Second and Charles last week and didn't understand a damn thing I was looking at. So I'm. If you want to get, I don't know if. Uh, I don't need another podcast to be doing at this moment. But. <laughs> sure, but like, if you want to like read them. At your own pay, like start if if you ever feel like reading them, yeah, and you decide you want to jump in as a guest and talk about a volume or two, that's perfectly fine. The only problem is right now every book I read is for this damn show. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing constant research now, but yeah, uh, I've been taking extensive notes on one yeah. piece, and let me tell you, so I've been I've been okay, <laughs> I've been following One Piece, the anime slash manga, for about twenty years now. And I am still noticing new shit. Well, that's how any long that's how form any long form thing is works be. for sure. But man, I can't tell you the amount of deep dives I've watched and listened to oh, and yeah. done. Like, <laughs> and it's over and over again. I just keep getting flabbergasted. Oda's a genius. Oh, good word. Flabbergasted. Sorry. Yes, he it didn't know facsimile word. was a word. What really? facsimile? Yeah. That. What do you think fax machine meant? <laughs> Fucking ass x-rays I don't know <laughs> The first thing ever sent with the fax system Duh. Ass x-rays <laughs> Fucking Wow No it was a machine To send a facsimile of something I've never heard the full form of that word Listen Fuck yourselves Ollie's 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 So there's an old saying in the ocean, many things are hidden, and it's true enough. Uh, and it's true enough. There's still much we don't know about what lurks in the depths, save for wonders that the occasional submersible dive turns up. But for millennia, humans have simply taken to guessing what could be swimming Earth's oceans. You know who's responsible for a surprising number of uh, discoveries? James Cameron. Yeah, James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Seriously. Yeah, no, for real. Really? Yes. Yeah, he's explored yeah. the abyss. Oh, that's actually cool. Homeboy has, like, private submarines and shit since yeah. before uh, Titanic yeah. happened. Then he sent cool. down to the Marianas Trench, like, deeper yeah. than anyone else ever Homeboy sent really one. wants to know about the fucking ocean. Yeah. I don't... Well, it it like, really is the last thing to not be explored, like, on Earth. He's really anyway. one yeah. of the last explorers on Earth. You, yeah. Like, James Cameron, yeah. the man <laughs> who created... The Titanic and later Avatar fucking is no, an explorer. Nobody Magellan ever talks style. about like outside of this context, which is wild. Yeah, and they're doing a sequel. <laughs> like what? What? Hold on. What? Yeah, Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. Yeah, yeah, Avatar's getting a sequel. Sequel comes out next year, or like is it twenty this years later, right? I don't know. I it's don't the care. The what did you say? Yeah, it's they're doing the it's called blue. the Way of the Water. Yeah, yeah. giant blue people. Mm-hmm. Part two. 
and there's like a um a mixed race kid in the movie mm. part uh Pandoran. Part blue perp. Per, yeah. Part. Ah. I think they're called Navis. Navis. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. I did Fucking A. That. You yeah. know trivia about Avatar? <laughs> I watched weird movies. <laughs> you should know by now that I'm going to know random everybody shit. Everybody watched that movie, but nobody had like any level of. Everyone watched it once. Exactly. Do you I know what I mean? It. Like I watched everyone it watched twice. it once in the theaters. I want to know what I the big deal was. The theaters, because we it was good. It was, it, it was good. I will give you that. It was yeah, visually stunning. That was yeah, the big thing Titanic for that movie. Twice in the theater for some reason. Yeah, I don't. I watched Titanic I when I was like myself at that point. six or eight. Yeah, you saw boobies. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Was it? That anyway, most six or eight year olds. No, I for real really like I sat down on my own and I watched two VHS back to back, no breaks. I one hundred percent believe that. Like that's the type of weird ass kid I was. Yeah, <laughs> I liked the Green Mile when I was a kid, yeah. which I, I should not have. Been I have not watched the Green Mile. Great movie. Yeah. Okay. I've played Xbox with a guy one time. They watched the Green Mile like six times back to back on acid because he thought it was the most profound thing that he had ever seen in his entire life. Okay. <laughs> was he right? Yeah. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> but for millennia, humans have simply taken to guessing what could be swimming Earth's oceans. Europeans, for instance, just assumed for, uh, for a long while that every land creature had a counterpart in the sea. Hence, we have sea rhinos and sea cows and even sea monks and sea bishops. I'm going to be honest with you. A, a monk and a bishop is not an animal. Well, it says the human uh, representatives, the aquatic representatives of the human race. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm with that. Are okay. they talking about dolphins like, and octopuses? This is the only two acceptable <laughs> answers. <laughs> Some of these beasts, though, are more grounded in reality than others. And none of these are more famed or feared or strangely real than the Kraken, also known somewhat awesomely in lore as the sea mischief. I didn't know what? that. What? That's yeah. cool. That's new information for there me. There you go. I like like that. Sea Loki is the Kraken. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, he's just a playful, silly little boy. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a silly little guy. He's just a lad. So the Kraken is a legendary tentacle giant so powerful that it could pull down ships. Cross this monster and you'll find yourself praying that there's a sea bishop or two in the depths to attend to your court. What is a sea bishop? I don't know. I'm looking it up. Yeah, you ever play Sea of Thieves? Krakens are scary. I Ooh. sure didn't. This is the su- now. The hey, cra- I'm looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> we can multitask, what is guys. See, Bishop. It it. What the fuck? Did we open a portal? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> are we talking like Cthulhu levels or? This is not a real thing. Okay. Um, I'm looking at some 16th century drawings that look. Ooh. I'm just gonna show you. You ever seen? Have you ever seen of that? No. Have, have you? I mean, I may have, but then I no, woke up screaming. Actually, no. Okay, that yeah, and no, I've seen when, a lot has, of 16th century shit. When I'm trying to get to sleep played... at night, that thing sits on my chest and screams at me. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever played um, Twilight Princess? No, no. I haven't. That oh, is Cat's man. favorite okay. Zelda game. Though. Cat will know what the fuck I'm talking about. Not this cat. The other, other cat, cat. will yeah. know what I'm talking about. Sea cat, Some of you K-Cat. will. Yeah. Um, I believe they're called the the. They're like uckos instead of cuckoo, cuckoos. They're the weird 
human face chicken monster things. You, you said cuckos? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's just what conservatives call me when I argue with them on Facebook. <laughs> uh huh. No, that's cuckold. No, 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 it's no, no, no. They just they just be making up new variations of it. They're like, you fucking cucko. <laughs> it looks like okay. It looks like a vaguely racist interpretation of like a Middle Eastern king, oh, God, with a with scales as a hat and a fish body with arms that are just wrists and hands, uh, but no a fish other body part. that is standing like a man, and then it's standing like a man on what appears to be. Actual chicken legs, like drumsticks, like cooked ones. That's frightening. I saw accurate. that in the ocean. I've done seen that. Also, oh, I don't know what cape. it was, but it was something. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was something. He's wearing a cape. There you go. He's wearing... Well, I that makes make him that a bishop, obviously. Um, now, the Kraken is a legendary tentacle giant so powerful that it could pull down ships. I already read that. This is decidedly a Nordic tale, contrary to the supposed rampages of the Kraken around Greece in 1981's Awesome film, Clash of the Titans. Uh, the Kraken, however, is many beasts in one. A perfectly terrifying amalgamation of the worst sea monsters humanity has ever dreamed up. Yeah, he's pretty much a menage, like a mishmash of a bunch of different things. Right. Um, perhaps the most detailed description of the Kraken comes from the Danish historian Eric Pantopadon in his Natural History of Norway from 1755. He notes that the beast is round, mm -hmm. flat, and mm -hmm. full of arms or branches. Nice. And is the largest and most surprising of all the animal creation. He cites various fishermen who... I'm tired of magazines telling me flat monsters are everything. <laughs> <laughs> he cites various fishermen who unanimously affirm, and without the least variation in their accounts, that if you row out several miles into the Norwegian Sea in the summer, you're in serious danger of falling victim to the kraken. Now, you'll know when you start reeling in an inordinate amount of fish. Kraken's how it said in the original Scandinavian. <laughs> Kraken's closer to that. It's, it's the Kraken, you see, that's scaring them towards the surface. But escaping from its clutches is not impossible. Accomplished rowers can quickly row out of there, and when they, quote-unquote, find themselves out of danger, they lie upon their oars. Like accomplished rowers. Yeah. Stroke, stroke, stroke. Yeah, I'm picturing like an Olympic rowing team. <laughs> because they're scared, they're going, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck. I honestly, I'll be honest with y'all, I think some sports we're better at than ancient peoples oh, or yeah. medieval type people, but rowing is not one of those sports. No. Because that was their whole life, not just their job. They no. lived down there. Right. Like, right. they just rowed all day, every fucking day. That's all they did. Forever, like you. Dude, can't I, I could not have been a Viking. That. I could not have been a Viking. I couldn't have. I might have could have been, but I would have had to been like an elder, and I wouldn't have made it that far. <laughs> right. Like I, I would have been one of the people in 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 Skyrim that you go and talk to for a quest. The yeah, people just are just kind of leaning halfway the on the on yeah. the throne, just go. Yeah, you'll be a Jarl. Go kill Yarl, the dragon. Just, I sit like a Skyrim Jarl on a daily <laughs> you basis. You do sit like sure. a Skyrim Jarl. He's got the hair, too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, and after a few minutes, they see this enormous monster come up to the surface of the water. Its back is a mile and a half in circumference and looks <laughs> at first like a number of small Its head's items. on this side of the boat. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the tail's on this side of the boat. Well, it can't be. Well, it, well, can't it be. is. Well, I it see is. It right there. 
Kat has no idea what the hell's going I, on. Right yeah. now. I love it. But she's along for the ride. I'm always 100% along for the ride. Um. So yeah, the look, the back looks like a, at first like a number of small islands. This is an echo of another mythical sea creature, the island whale. Island uh, whales feature heavily in One Piece. <laughs> a beast so huge that sailors mistake it for land and anchor to it. Once they build a fire on its back, though, it one of them's names is Laboon. Laboon, mm-hmm. and a drags them all name. to their doom. Yes, but the kraken is far more dexterous in its attacks. Pontipidon describes the emergence of this supposed island in great detail. Every time you say Pontipidon, I'm trying to place where it should go, like in it's Greek. No, no, no. I oh. get that. I'm saying in my continually growing name dichotomy. I want to know. It's not quite metal. Say it again. Almost, Pontipodon. Pontipodon. It's almost metal. I'm thinking pop goes punk. There you go. True. Okay. Yeah, so, I can see that. Here and there, a larger rising <laughs> is observed like sandbanks on which various kinds of small fishes are seen continuously leaping about till they roll off into the water from the sides of it. Josh was just lured away with something. I don't know what it was. Uh, he just got up like he was in a dream and walked out like he got summoned by a fake. Oh, creature. he got summoned by a honey bun. There yeah, it is. That's totally understandable. Not even mad um, at all. They're my favorite. <laughs> I, the look on his face was just oh, pure oh. joy. Like yes. he got up. Pure childhood joy. I just I'm sitting here doing my show, trying to be semi professional, and I oh, hear man. at the door. <laughs> I saw like something being taken out of the door, the little crack in the door, and Josh looked at it, lit up, and left <laughs> slowly, like again, like in a dream, in like a, a fake creature had yes. tranced him. Yes. It was a wild. It's like in the cartoons when the pie smell like picks you up and that takes you away. That is the vibe, yes. yes. <laughs> so, at, li- at last, several bright points or horns appear, um, which grow thicker and thicker the higher they rise above the surface of the water. The Kraken has horns now? Well, Oh, uh, I did not know that. No, it doesn't. Oh. And sometimes oh. they stand up as high as the and as large as the masts of middle-sized vessels. These are tentacles? These horns are, of course, its dreaded arms. I see. If the Kraken didn't yank you down directly, the whirlpool it forms will finish the task. It's basically a moving Charybdis. Okay, but like in actual science, like if it were to have come up like very slowly, and then if it were to have just sunk, like that actually, like it... It actually would have created a whirlpool. Right. Like if this mm-hmm. is a real thing, like that totally you actually can, tracks. You can, uh, you can confirm this for yourself in a pool with your hand. Yeah, you just sort of put sit your hand just at the top of the water, and then you just kind of push it down real hard. You don't even need a pool. You can do it in your sink. Oh, That's bathtub. true. That would just be a little weird. You can just take us at our word. <laughs> so this too. <laughs> Yeah, so this too is an echo of another mythical sea monster, Charybdis of the Odyssey fame. As Odysseus sailed through the Straits of Messina uh, between Sicily and the mainland Italy. Didn't I just say something about Charybdis? Yes. Am I Josh now? Probably. Well, no, because you didn't write this script. That's fair. I'm just prescient. Yes. Um, He was warned to avoid the churning whirlpool that is Charybdis in favor of taking his chances with Scylla. Cilia. Cilia, sorry. Pretty sure. Uh, or Scylla, because Scylla, no, yeah. yeah, at the opposite coast, and Scylla also finds her way into the Kraken myth, for she too was tentacled. 
snatching Odysseus's men and eating them alive. She was up on the rocks. Uh huh. Right. There's two of them. Yes. Charybdis is a is a literal whirlpool leviathan. The whirlpool, and then with teeth. Yes. And then Scylla is the tentacle one on the cliff that like like, snatches snatches people off off the decks of ships and stuff. So the Kraken, though, is happy to make do just eating fish. Pontipodon notes that it has a strong and peculiar scent, which it can emit at certain times. And by means of which... It be it, farting. <laughs> it be, well, it beguiles and draws on, uh, other fish to come in heaps ab- about it. And appropriately enough, it uses the fish it has devoured to lure even more fish by, using its poo as a lure. Lure, sorry. Yeah, it be farting. A great many <laughs> old fishermen, Pontipodon claims, say that its evacuation colors the surface of the water, which appears quite thick and turbid. Ink. He, <laughs> he explains in rather colorful detail... This muddiness is said to be so very agreeable to the smell or taste of other fishes, or to both, that they gather together from all parts to it and keep for that purpose directly over the kraken. He then opens his arms or horns, seizes and swallows his welcome guests, and converts them, after the due time, by digestion into bait for other fish of the same kind. So this is just a big cycle. He just eats the fish, poops the fish. The fish are like, yummy, 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 yummy. It sounds like he's doing a baleen. It's the circle of life. Oh, no, okay. The suckle of life. (laughs) Circle of poop. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Now, while the legend of the Kraken is purely that, a legend, there are many true stories that echo the horrors of said legend. Sea creatures such as the giant squid which is predominantly found in the seas off of Norway, the Netherlands, the British Isles, and the Spanish Peninsula, could have given the myth its tentacled appearance, while its size of almost 40 feet could very easily lead superstitious seafarers to fear what lies in the depths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and seafarers are superstitious as fuck, no, too. they're not. They are literally the single most superstitious people <laughs> on the planet, aside than- from 23-year-old white women. Or thespians. Yeah. True. Thespians are super superstitious. I think sailors got thespians beat. No, I definitely think sailors have de- thespians yeah. beat. But like, it came from like their whole like, especially like if you're in a culture where you're like Greek and Roman, and you still think like the gods control like the weather and stuff. Right. Like, you're totally gonna be like, oh, this one like it literally like we still do it today. If like that one uncle is taking a shit whilst like there a touchdown is made while you're watching the Super Bowl, like that uncle has to stay in the bathroom for every single <laughs> yep. game since. Like we still. What? that way i actually know a family that that was a thing what yes yes oh dude fucking football people (laughs) but like it it like we still are that way today so is life like that for people who have these superstitions like is it like that for real they take it so Mm -hmm. seriously but think of like back in the day if you like didn't have science a thing you didn't have all that stuff and you had a culture like sailors would like go out and it was just each other keeping themselves alive like if you didn't do things like if you didn't do a certain set of things by the end of the day to set up for tomorrow like you were going to die because yeah. you were out on big water. Like Why that. do we yeah. need to scrape the barnacles? Well, because if we don't, the gods will kill us. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I In still reality, get that way. it's for different reasons, but you know. Like to a very minor the extent. The gods will kill us. Is a good like if I come up here to play video games and I like forget to turn my light on for the first game and we win, I am not turning my light on for the rest of the time that I play video games because if I do, I'll lose. Yes. Hmm. Do you know how hilarious it is that a avowed atheist is superstitious about shit like that. 
it's it's more like playfully. Uh-huh. Yeah. It it's is like, playful. Like I, right. if people say like the Q word, if people say quiet, like I work in customer service and like patrons come in and they're just like, oh, it's real. Like, you know, these retired like old ladies are just like, it's real quiet today. And I'm like, fuck you. And I have to go find something wood and I have to knock on it for some reason. Like I have it, never heard that. What? Knock on wood? I've never heard That's that. That's a jinx. Yeah, involved with saying quiet. Oh, wow. It's real quiet. Yeah, it's, it's all of a quiet, sudden not going to be quiet gonna be anymore. Uh, like, gotcha. they've jinxed oh. it. So I have to go knock on wood. And it's so, like, my coworker actually asked me about it. She's like, why are you always knocking on the cabinet? And I'm like, take note of when I do it, what the patron <laughs> says. And it wasn't until later. She's like, are you really that super? She put it together. She's like, are you really that superstitious? I'm like, no, nah, it's just fun. Right. Like, it's just fun. Yo, I literally, like, the rituals that I do for games and stuff is, like, if I lose a level, I might switch up a weapon or something. Right. I don't do that for superstition. I do that because I know that my brain needs to be refreshed in some way. Right. It's, but I want to keep playing this game. It's more about tricking your own brain is the thing. Like, I won't turn my light on because maybe the the light cast on, on the back, like, throws off my visual perception of the screen. <laughs> And then my aim isn't quite as good. The nah, next kid, game. you're just slightly superstitious. It's okay. I'm trying to think of something I'm superstitious about. Like I'm s- too skeptical. Especially for theater, I am too. Like if I run a scene with you before we do that scene, like I, if if we do it and it works for like opening night, like I will hunt you down and we <laughs> will do that scene before every single scene for the rest of the run. Like, That's just good practice too, though. I mean, like, it, it is. is superstitious, like quote unquote. I'm doing I'm doing air quotes just so everyone knows. <laughs> it's but it's also just because of the superstition. It is a good practice that happens. Like uh, I mean, and I guess it is. I, that one's more obvious. But I do have little ones that I'm just like, if I do it for the first one, it will be done for all of like, them. Like like okay, for example, a common one. I don't walk under ladders when people are on them. But not because I think that that's superstition. That's just a safety regulation that exactly. should be followed. It's. I think what we're really getting at here is that most superstitions are rooted in some amount of practicality. Like, for sure. Except for the black cat one. Yeah, black no, that's just silly. Awesome. Well, because in Japan, black cats are lucky. Also for sailors. Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. And mm-hmm. for sailors, spoiler alert, it's because they eat the fucking rats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if I had, I don't even know if it's superstition or if it's just fear, but I won't look out a window at night into the dark. Yeah. Because I'm scared of somebody standing outside. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Especially if I'm like in my bedroom. Mm-mm. No, dude, I'm always looking out the window at night. I'm like, y'all dealing drugs in front of my house? No. <laughs> so. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there are also stories of sailing ships being completely destroyed by the fauna of the ocean. And our main story today tells the tale of one of the most famous attacks in nautical history. A story so amazing that inspired one American author to pen one of the most famous novels in all of literature. The one about a whale? Yes, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Moby Is it Dickus. about the whale? Is it about... <laughs> that wasn't funny, come on. <laughs> I just immediately went to Biggest Dickest. Yeah, that's <laughs> Did you know that all the guards in that yes. scene... Okay, I'm sorry. I don't no, you it. continue. Tell all the people. Of, all of the guards in that scene were literally people just picked off of the street. And they all of the Monty Pythoners literally went to them and was like, we will pay you for shooting for this allotted amount of time, but only if you 
do not laugh. So when they're getting up in their faces and those guys are trying so hard not to laugh, it's because they were not going to be paid if they laughed. So he's going, <laughs> biggest, biggest? Biggest. And the dude makes biggest. a face that only a cartoon can make. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He literally contorts so his good. whole shit. Like his jaw is just gone. Like I don't know how he does it. It's so he purses his lips so much that it's like painful to see. Yes, it's so. Funny. And he's like staring. God, I love he's not Monty even Python. looking at him. He's like yes. looking past him. It's the best thing ever. Go watch it. But before we get into the crux of the story, uh, we like Melville must give a little background into the business of whaling. However. Unlike Melville, we will be brief. <laughs> Yo, that, I, I tried to read pull. that shit. Yes. It's the whole, it's like uh, two fucking two thirds of the goddamn book is yes. just learning yes. about whaling. Yeah. Yes. yes. I even like classic literature and that, no, no. But me dick is dumb. International whaling developed, developed in stages that were determined by changing demand, diminishing stocks, and advancing technology. A lengthy primitive stage eventually led to commercial whaling. Um, new markets and technical and chemical advances then produced modern whaling, which led to the virtual extinction of the quarry and a return to the primitive age. Yep. The commercial stages were dominated overwhelmingly by Northern Europeans As and Americans. In, we hunted whales so good that they made those ways of hunting whales illegal because yes. there were no more whales. Right. Yes. And now, even the whalers who are out there doing it illegally are doing it like you would in fucking Pirates Creed Four. Black Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. That's so, my favorite one. <laughs> so the commercial. <laughs> so the commercial stages. Fun with Black Assassins. That's fun. <laughs> so the commercial stages were dominated overwhelmingly by Northern Europeans and Americans. First the Dutch, then the British and the Americans, and finally the Norwegians. Only at the very end. When Europeans no longer found the trade profitable, did they surrender the remaining whales to the Russians and the Japanese? Archaeological evidence suggests that primitive whaling was practiced by the Inuit and others in the North Atlantic and North Pacific. Ooh. You said that very well. Thank you. I did a lot of practice today. Good job. Uh, as early as 3000 BCE, and it continues in a number of remote cultures to the present. The quarry has always been small, easily beached whales, such as belugas and norwals, or larger species that would come close to shore to breed in sheltered bays. The Japanese used nets, and the Aleuts uh, used poison spears. The Inuit successfully hunted large whales in, from skin boats, employing togglehead harpoons attached by hide ropes to inflated seal skin floats. Literally, like in Black Flag. Yeah. <laughs> A number of harpoons were darted into a whale, impeding its escape until a safe kill could be made with a lance. In Europe, Nordic people hunted small whales, and in Iceland, laws addressed whaling in the 13th century. The forerunners of commercial whaling were the We bats. were so good at whaling that in the 13th century, that's yeah. the 1400s or the 1200s? Yes, 1400s. 1400s, we were making laws about it. To regulate it. That was literally my thought. I was like, dang, I didn't realize that was a thing that early. That's early. So the forerunners to commercial whaling were the Basques, uh, who caught northern right whales as they gathered to breed in the Bay of Biscay. Docile, slow-moving, and sleeping on the surface, the whales were chased by rowboat, struck by har harpoon, played like fish, and then lanced. 
Their bodies, which floated after death, were towed to shore for stripping and boiling of the thick blubber and processing of the uh, the baleen, which is the filter-like appendages seen in the whale's mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh. When seaworthy ocean-going ships were built, Basques set off in search of other whaling bays and found the and found them perhaps as early as the 14th century and certainly by the 16th century across the Atlantic off the coast of southern Labrador. In, 16, in the 1690s, the British had pursued extensive fishing from bay stations in the North America colonies, and soon Cape Cod, Long Island, and Rhode Island became new centers of activity. Uh, there, a new type of whaling was inaugurated in 1712. you know how much fishing you got to do to be called Cape Cod? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a fuck ton. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. That's Either a lot. that or you just are really bad at catching fish and you only catch one kind. <laughs> that feels like to me that you would be catching so many of that one kind of fish, though, that you would leap back around into being a genius of sorts. <laughs> or you're just like a man of that time period and you're like, I caught one. I am now the best at it. Yes. That's of that time period? <laughs> Any time period. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, a new type of whaling was inaugurated in 1712 when a Nantucket vessel caught the first sperm whale, whose waxy oil and spermaceti was worth far more than right whale oil. Now, spermaceti is a waxy substance found in the head cavities of the sperm whale. Oh, thank God I didn't have to ask. I was was so close. (laughs) And in smaller quantities in the oils of other whales. Now, spermaceti is created in the spermaceti organ inside the whale's head. This organ may contain obviously as, yes may contain as much as five hundred U.S. gallons of spermaceti. What? Wow. Yeah. Holy, Holy fuck! Fuck yeah! Um, nobody even whales are day, big. Yeah, nobody knows even to this day exactly what that was for. Some people think it had to do with buoyancy, and some people think it had to do with echolocation. Mm-hmm. But nobody has ever really probably because we've killed too many of them. Probably, huh? Now, the whaling industry in the 17th and 18th centuries were developed to find, harvest, and refine the contents of the head of a sperm whale. The crews seeking spermaceti routinely left on three-year tours on several oceans. Whoa. Cetaceous lamp oil was a commodity that created many maritime fortunes. The light produced by a single pure spermaceti source became the standard measurement of candle power for another century. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's saying something yeah. if it's met, set in the benchmarker mm-hmm. for a hundred years. Yeah. So sperm whales are smaller than right whales and are pelagic, which means they live in the open ocean. Uh-huh. Um, sperm whaling lured expeditions into warmer waters where rapid putrefaction of blubber was overcome in mid-century by the introduction of onboard rendering. Henceforth, voyages were limited only by the whaler's capacity and the crew's endurance. Oh, they could just keep going. Exactly. Ah. Until they either filled up the ship's holds or got tired. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, hunts extended into or the... Or died, I guess. Yeah. Hunts or got extended, really hungry. Hunts extended into the whale-rich seas of the Pacific, and four-year cruises became common. Josh is writing a letter in thanks yeah. to the fake creature that brought him a honey bun. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that. Um, uh, four-year cruises became common, often mixing pelagic whaling with sealing, uh, meaning hunting seals, not Mm. roofs, Mm -hmm. um, and bay whaling for right whales. This vanguard incidentally opened the Pacific to British and American explorations and annexations. 
Uh, during the 18th and early 19th centuries, whaling vessels were chiefly merchant ships transporting equipment, crews, and catch. They were double-hulled and reinforced with beams against sea ice and were heavily armed against attack. Displacing 250 to 350 tons, these vessels were two or three times the tonnage of the average merchant ship for the sake of cargo capacity. Mm. Three tiers of barrels could be crammed below deck while crews berthed on the half deck. American whaling ships were initially smaller than British vessels and were painted to look like warships. During the 19th century, uh, purpose-built ships measuring 100 to 150 feet and displacing 300 to 400 tons became more common, and in the 1850s, clipper ships gained favor. Throughout this period, catching was by hand, uh, was catching was by hand-thrown harpoon from double-ended boats carrying five to seven men. The boats usually measured seven to nine meters long, and in America, they were made by half-inch cedar planks. So, like Ruben said, it's literally... Like in Pirate's Creed for Black Assassins. Exactly. Wow. But you know how strong you got to be to throw something, like... Yeah. Enough to pierce, like... I mean, I've never... A gigantic sea creature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It depends on how good your harpoon tip is. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, you've got to upgrade also your them at the, at the ship merchant. Mm-hmm. At your, you got to uh, spend like iron and yeah, like wood exactly. and rope on them. Which you can buy through microtransactions, but you but don't you really can also have just to. Them. Yeah, you can just... farm it. We're not talking about the real world anymore, are we? No. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Got it. Not at all. Not even close. <laughs> so harpooners and boat steerers were the key men when the strike was made. After the harpoon hit its mark, the whale was played, quote unquote, at the end of ropes and killed by lance when exhausted. The catch was then towed to the whaler, where blubber and baleen were cut away by men either working from fragile platforms or walking with spiked boots directly upon the carcass. God, that is gruesome and incredibly physical work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, finally, what was left of the animal was... Can't really take a bath at sea either in these times. Yeah, no. No, and you're out there for three years. Yeah, but... And if you do jump in the water, someone's going to scream, Captain's on overboard! <laughs> Captain fancy a swim! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, it's been so long since mm-hmm. I played it, I forgot. Those are the exact voice lines that they yell when you jump off your boat. Yeah. Uh, finally, what? what was left of the animal was winched on deck in... for cutting. Oh, right. Pirate's yeah. Creek That's for right. Black Pirate... Assassins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for cutting, casking, and carrying home. From about 1760 onward, sperm whales were rendered in triworks, which were a pair of large cast iron pots on a water-filled brick structure approximately two by three meters situated near the forward hatch. We did say we were going to be brief about the whaling. I'm almost, literally, this is the last paragraph. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> um, uh, now you mean, uh, the only other technical innovation for this period was the harpoon gun, uh, and it was introduced around 1800 but proved to be a failure. And that takes us out of the Herman Melville stuff. Hey. Nice. Hey. Nice. We were more brief than Herman Melville. Exactly. We would have been briefer, but we had to stop constantly. I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you looking at me? Who got up and get a honey bun? From honey bun. Me? Don't come at him. This is his home. <laughs> By the time of her fateful vo- voyage, the Essex was already 20 years old. But because so many of her previous voyages had been profitable, she had gained a reputation as a quote unquote lucky vessel. Captain George Pollock Jr. 
and first mate Owen Chase. Had I feel served- like that's just the perfect setup. Like, let's call some something like Lucky Vessel. Yeah. Like she well, is it's just, just like the Titanic. Yes. Uh, Titanic was the unsinkable Titanic. Like we what a dumber name. Witness the deaths of men today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Captain George Pollard Jr. and first mate Owen Chase had served together on the ship's previous trip, which had been highly successful and led to their promotions. In 1819, at the age of 29, Pollard was one of the youngest men ever to command a whaling ship. Chase was 23, and the youngest member of the crew was the cabin boy Thomas Nickerson, who was 14. The crew of 21 was mainly white, but there were a small group of free black men. The two groups slept apart. No way. Yeah. The Essex had recently been totally... Honestly, okay, let me be clear about this. I want everyone to understand uh, that was sarcastic in the way that you think, but also not because, you know, if I was, say, a free black man, as in there were other slaved black men... Oh, wait, I am. I might not want to fucking sleep with white people either. That's fair. Like... That was actually a thing that Blackbeard did uh, when they would would, uh, pirate a ship. Um, if they had human cargo, if they were transporting slaves, Mm -hmm. then he would like go down the row of them and be like, all right, so who wants to join my crew and who wants to, I guess, just be left here with these guys. And he would take everyone who wanted to join his crew and employ them on, uh, Queen Anne's Revenge. Mm -hmm. Pirating actually was very like... That's why the fuck black people like One Piece so much. <laughs> are there are there any black characters in One Piece? Not on the crew. No. Luffy is technically sort of kind of Brazilian, but they're all just like anime races. Yeah. So the Essex had been recently had recently been totally refitted. There are like brown characters in there, but like they're just like they're like around. They're just other people. Right. But at only 88 feet in length and measuring about 239 tons, she was small for a whale ship. However, Luffy does free slaves sometimes. Right. So that's cool. The Essex was equipped with four whale boats, <laughs> each about 28 feet in length, and she had an additional whale boat below decks. The Essex departed from Nantucket on August 12, 1819, on what was expected to be a roughly two and a half year voyage to the bountiful whaling grounds off the west coast of South America. Truly fuck that amount of time. I know. Dude, <laughs> like, that's, that's the part that not. keeps getting me to is like, so me and I've mentioned Sea of Thieves a couple of times. Let's just get this out of the way. Me and I had like four or five straight days off work. Mm-hmm. And I met this guy who was off work because he had a broken ankle and he couldn't work without um, he couldn't work without the use of his ankle. So he was out of work for a while. Just me and this guy you. decided that we were just going to basically go to sea together for five days straight because we both had all the time in the world. And so from sleep to sleep, me and this dude were playing Sea of Thieves together. We were effectively at sea together for five straight days. We slept and ate sometimes in shifts. <laughs> Stop. Yes. Oh, dude, I went so hard on this game. Let's I be... fucking loved Sea of Thieves. Let's be incredibly clear. That sounds grueling. <laughs> it was so much fun. And very fun. We, we went on such a long voyage together. It was great. And also, and... 
no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we we like we snapped at each other about it too, and that was just five days of virtually being at sea together. By the fifth day, I was like, man, we've basically been at sea together for five days. He was like, yeah, and my girlfriend is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> now imagine if if your husband was going out to sea and he was like, oh, it's a sh- you know, it's like a medium voyage. I'll be back in. Two and a half to three years. Right. Like. Oh, she also might be appreciative that she doesn't have to bear any children for those two years. That's true. true. Or she could, you know, go out and have, you know. I mean, she still could bear children, but. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> she's not expected to. Yeah. Do what exactly. you want is my thing. So the crew numbered 21 men in total. Among the sailors, there were seven African-American men. William Bond, Samuel Reed, Richard Peterson, Henry DeWitt. Lawson Thomas, Charles Shorter, and Isaiah Shepard. That Isaiah Shepard is like a modern-ass black name. Yeah. Yeah. There were four island natives, Seth Weeks, Joseph West, William Wright, and Isaac Cole. There was one Englishman named Thomas Chappell, and the rest of the crew, the ship's captain, George Pollard, first mate Owen Chase, second mate Matthew Joy, Obed Hendricks, uh, cabin boy Thomas Nickerson, Barzillai Ray, Charles Ramsdale, Benjamin Lawrence, and Owen Coffin were from Nantucket. Two days after her departure from Nantucket, the Essex was hit by a sudden squall in the Gulf Stream. She was knocked over on her beam's end and nearly sank. She lost. I'm going to her- start saying that. What? I'm sorry. Knocked over on my beam's end. <laughs> beams. Beams. Oh. Yeah. Still good. <laughs> not as funny now, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she lost her top gallant sail. <laughs> How did that work for a boat? I don't know. I don't know what they Uh, called shit. I don't know. Okay, I'm just gonna know. That was very funny for me. (laughs) So she lost her top gallant sail and two whale boats were destroyed, with an additional whale boat damaged. Captain Pollard elected to continue the voyage without replacing the two boats or repairing the damage. What? Yeah. Bad captain. (laughs) Fucking A. The Essex rounded Cape Horn in January of 1820 after a transit of five weeks, which was extremely slow. With this and the unsettling earlier incident, the crew began to talk of ill omens. Their spirits were temporarily lifted when the Essex began the long spring and summer hunt in the warm waters off the south of the South Pacific Ocean, traveling north along the western coast of South America up to Atacames. I, I found out that's the actual pronounce pronunciation atticanes mm-hmm. and he what found was... out it was the actual pronounce yes yes, yes, yes people yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh in what was then the spanish ruled territory of the royal audience of quito which is now present-day ecuador mm-hmm. ecuador the crew was divided into three groups of six each of which manned one of the three usable whale boats uh whenever whales were sighted the remaining three men stayed aboard to manage the essex each whale boat was led by one of the three officers pollard chase and joy each of whom then chose his five other crew members. In September 1820, a sailor named Henry DeWitt des- uh, deserted the Ad- at Atacames, reducing the crew of the Essex to 20 men. While Ooh. sailors fled whaling ships all the time, the desertion was bad news for Captain Pollard because each of the ship's three whaleboats required a crew of six. This meant only two men would remain to keep the Essex while the whale hunt was in progress which was not sufficient to safely that handle a ship. That is untenable. Yeah. That's definitely not enough people to fight off a Kraken. No. 
Did you just say no, but in a really British accent? It was it was almost more Australian. Yeah, it was like I don't know why I do that, but I do that sometimes. That was good though. Australian people yeah. can't say no without like putting no. an R in it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> After finding the area's population of whales exhausted, the crew encountered other whalers who told them that a vast, newly discovered hunting ground known as the Offshore Ground, located between 5 and 10 degrees south latitude and between 105 and 125 degrees west longitude, which was about 2,500 nautical miles to the south and west. This was an immense distance from known shores for the whalers, and the crew had heard rumors that cannibals populated the many islands of the South Pacific. That was true. (laughs) To restock their food supplies for the long journey, the Essex sailed for Charles Island later renamed Floriana Island in the Galapagos. I don't know why nautical mile needs its own measurement, because it's literally just 1.1 miles. Well, yeah, but because it's not exactly one mile. But, it's also, but why don't you just use And mine? also, you only use it at sea. I think it was actual knots tied in a rope, though. I think that's why it's called a knot, like a nautical mile. Like Really? Yeah, I, it, I can totally be fact-checked on this. I might be wrong, but I genuinely think it was like... Something knots tied in a rope, and depending upon how fast you were going, like how fast they caught them or something, whatever. But I think that's why it's called like your speed. That's why it's called a knot. Knots. Yeah. How many knots you were going? All right. Historically, it was defined as the meridian arc length corresponding to one minute, one hundred sixties, one hundred sixty of a degree of latitude. Today, the international nautical mile is defined as exactly. 1,852 meters, or 6,076 feet, or 1.151 miles. The derived... Okay, and the, the, the derived unit of speed is the knot, one nautical mile per hour. That doesn't tell me the cool stuff that I wanted to know. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're just going to go and say that Cat was right. Cat's vaguely kind of right in somewhere. We're not going <laughs> to say Cat's definitively right. <laughs> so... Um... Yeah, so they landed on Floriana Island. Um, oh. One nautical mile equates exactly to one minute of latitude, making it easier to navigate in the sea and the sky. See, I feel like most of that comes from like stuff I would need a protractor to have figured out on my own. So. Or a sextant. Uh-huh. sextant. A sextant That's the one. is what they yeah. were called. I knew what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> like- so What's uh, the that made one? all middle oh. school boys giggle when they heard it. Astro- yeah. Astro- astrolabe. Astrolabe. Yeah. So there's another measurement for, you know, navigating. So, oh, I didn't know that. So during the week at anchor, they captured know. 300 Galapagos giant tortoises Whoa. to supplement oh. the ship's food stores. And they ah. used the hair on their back to. St- <laughs> <laughs> so they then sailed for Charles Island. No, for real. Okay, another fun fact: Galapagos. Island turtles were apparently so incredibly delicious that very soon after they were discovered, they were extinct. Wow. Really? Yes. Um, <laughs> Damn. They then sell for- I kind of want to eat one now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they then sell for Charles Island, where on October 22nd, they took another 60 tortoises. The tortoises weighed between 100 and 800 pounds. That's why, because yeah. people, bitches, be taking shipfuls of tortoises. <laughs> tortoises don't, they don't reproduce that quickly. No. No. The sailors captured them alive and allowed some of them to roam the ship at will. Oh, That'd be kind of like cute, pets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, The rest they kept in the hold. They believed that tortoises were capable of living for a year, 
uh, without eating or drinking water. Oh, God. Though, in fact, the tortoises slowly starved to death. Yeah, no, no shit. shit. The sailors considered the tortoises <laughs> delicious and extremely nutritious and planned to butcher them at sea as needed. Mm-hmm. While hunting on Charles Island, helmsman Thomas Chapel decided to set a fire as a prank. It was the height of the dry season. Where at? On Charles Island. On the island that they were Okay, hunting. okay. On the island. Yeah. What uh, a dumbass, though, <laughs> for real. It was the height of the dry season, and the fire quickly burned out of control. So, no way! Oh, my God. Scandalous. Say it's not so. Surrounding the hunters uh, and forcing them to run through the flames to escape. By the time the men returned to the Essex, almost the entire island was burning. Oh, wow. The crew was upset about the fire. No way. <laughs> and Captain Pollard swore vengeance on whoever had said it. This dude in his fucking gender reveal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, next day, the, island, <laughs> the next day, the island was still burning as the ship sailed for the offshore grounds. And after a full day of sailing, the fire was still visible on the horizon. Fearing a certain whipping... Chapel only later admitted that he had set the fire. Then- <laughs> hey guys, you know that you know that really big fire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see what really? happened was my so that's copy. my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's on me. It's a boy, by the way. <laughs> um. Many years later, cabin boy Thomas Nickerson returned to Charles Island. Those people can never be seen again. You understand, <laughs> right? right? Like oh, I know. Never, no one can know where they live. No, nope. <laughs> like they're in witness protection at this point. They like gotta be. Like, your new name is Cheryl. Dog, people, people would fucking oh, absolutely yeah. tear them apart. Oh yeah. So many years later. Cabin boy Thomas Nickerson returned to Charles Island and found a blackened wasteland. He observed neither trees, shrubbery, nor grass have since appeared. Ah, but so were you... they affordable shrubberies? I was gonna say, were they, are they, they affordable? <laughs> were they cut down with a herring? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has been suggested that the fire contributed to the near extinction of the Floriana Island tortoise and the Floriana mockingbird, which no longer inhabit the island. When the Essex finally reached the promised fishing grounds thousands of miles west of the coast of South America. Only you can prevent the devastation of an entire landmass. <laughs> <laughs> Only you. Um, but they didn't. Yes. Uh, the crew were unable to find any whales for days. Tension mounted whales among... for days. Uh, you should just continue reading. <laughs> Tension mounted among the officers of the Essex, especially between Pollard and Chase. Right. Can you imagine how pissed off they must be? Yeah. Like, it took us a fucking year to get out here, and we extincted several species on an <laughs> island along extincted. the way. Like, completely devastated an ecosystem. We're out here, finally. No whales. Right. For days. Um, days. They're, they <laughs> finally, like, make the big happy announcement. We're here! <laughs> and then they're there for, like, three days, and the nothing The whales are like, we're not! <laughs> right. <laughs> So when they finally found a whale on November 16th, it surfaced directly beneath Chase's boat. What the result of the boat was dashed literally in pieces. Splinters. <laughs> flow in on the water. Lamb I don't know like, where I'm going. You. I don't either, but I like it. Captain, I see a whale on this side of the boat. Well, I, that can't be because it's under us. Well, that may be, but it's right here. A crash. There you go. <laughs> At 8 in the morning on November 20th, 1820, the lookout sighted spouts, 
and the three remaining whale boats set out to pursue a pod of sperm whales. On the leeward side of the Essex, Chase's whaleboat harpooned a whale, but its tail struck... Does leeward mean left? Uh, I don't know. I think leeward might be behind. No, leeward is uh, the side that the wind's not blowing on. Oh, that's right. It's the wind, not the boat. Yeah, starboard is right. Port, um, port is, is left. Yeah, um, stern and aft. Yeah, yeah. But then windward is the way the wind's blowing. Leeward is the way the wind's not blowing. Yes. So like, if okay. So like, if the wind is blowing from north to south, north would be windward. Windward. South would be leeward. leeward. Yes. yes. What I would play Sea of Thieves, there would always be like some fucking dork that wants to use all the correct terminology for the <laughs> for the boat. And my would, response is, "Fuck you! Get uh, off my team." I, I then I would call it a boat, and they would be like, "It's a ship, actually. It's actually a digital code." So right, <laughs> it's we we repair the bottom by punching wood into the holes. It's <laughs> the, what you got there. That was my. I forgot that my uh, alerts were up. That was something telling me I had a message. It's literally from Holy Grail when the guy gets stabbed by the arrow. Message, message for you, <laughs> I just rewatched that the other day, and it just made me so happy. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I love the credits. Like, the beginning credits, yeah. like, ten minutes of just, like, what the fuck is going on? Did you know the um, the pythoner who played the um, Robin the Cowardly? Um, he is... Brave, brave Sir Robin. <laughs> brave, brave Sir Robin. Bravely ran away, away. I never. I, I never. never. Shut up. God will never have another good comedy troupe like Monty Python. Never. So apparently his daughter, like years later, watched it and was always pissed at him for the ending of that movie. She was like, I'll never forgive you. That was a trash ending to a movie. (laughs) Listen, it's one of them endings that sort of grows on you. (laughs) It's like, like, I did not appreciate it the first few times I saw it. No. But now it's fucking hilarious i like i like the ending dude gets arrested at the end come on (laughs) by a british cop come on (laughs) the ending to spam a lot was even better because the grail was just underneath somebody's seat in the audience the entire time nice yeah (laughs) nice that's good (laughs) yeah i I was the character that got to go pull the grail out from under their seat (laughs) so on the leeward side of the essex chase's whale boat harpooned a whale but its tail struck the boat and opened up a seam forcing the crew to cut the harpoon line and return to the Essex for repairs. Really starting to question that lucky ship thing. None of them have died. Yet. Yet. Two miles away. That's pretty goddamn lucky. I have a feeling most of them will, and the ones who don't will be, like, emotionally scarred forever. Uh Uh-huh. Two miles away off the windward side, Pollard's and Joy's boats each harpooned a whale and were dragged towards the horizon away from the Essex. Oh, that's fucking scary. In what whalers called a Nantucket sleigh ride. (laughs) That's so cute! I was waiting for you to say something innuendous with Nantucket, because like every time (laughs) you say it, and then... There it is. Yeah. A Nantucket what? Sleigh ride. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. That's so good. Yeah, buddy. What an endearing potential. What an endearing name for such a terrifying thing to happen. That's what happens when Nope, no. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to make that joke. Oh, yeah. Shut the fuck up. They're gonna get some lobster later. I was it. gonna I'll say it anyway. Fuck it. I, <laughs> I, I was gonna say that's when the strap on it's two lesbians and the strap on gets stuck and then the other one panics and she runs around. <laughs> 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 I love the panic. 
panic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like panic is needed for this to happen. Uh-huh. I love the mental image. <laughs> But Just, they have to do it in a Boston accent. That's what makes me <laughs> I'd be able to do a Boston accent. But what I mean so <laughs> I pictured it finally, and it's just so funny. <laughs> I pictured it, and I can't get it out of my head. The, so the, the one funny. behind has got like huh. video game ragdoll physics. Yes. You know? <laughs> Pulled along like Morty on a fucking Rick and Morty yes. show. God. Well, we have the title of the episode. Oh my God, Joy, stop! <laughs> Joy, she got oh. oh shit. So Chase was repairing the damaged whaleboat. I apologize. That's okay. To anybody who was offended by that joke, I get it. You're probably right. <laughs> so Chase was repairing the damaged whaleboat on board the Essex when the crew sighted an abnormally large sperm whale. Uh, reportedly around 85 feet in length. Acting Jesus strangely. Jesus Christ. And Moby Dick? Th- that's wild, too, when you have something that's already so fucking large so, and you yeah. report it as an abnormally large yeah. sperm well, whale. Sperm whales, like, I, they, those were smaller than some of the others, too, right? Yeah, they're yeah. not as big as, like, the blue whale. They're not but... as big, but, like, like, can we still keep in perspective that it's still a whale? Like, yeah. it's still huge. 85 Feet yeah, that's an eight-story long. building. That's yes. bigger than most ships. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you yeah, are but... no longer the apex predators out here. No. Right? <laughs> so that's what I want to put into perspective, honestly, is imagine being on a ship about the size of what a crabber would be on right now. Yeah. And hunting whales that would be, oh, I don't know, two or three times the size of your boat? You spot a blue shadow coming up from underneath the water that is larger than yeah. your ship. And, and you like, got to kill that by like, getting yeah. on an even smaller boat. Yeah. <laughs> With little teeny tiny, like, toothpicks. Yeah. And throwing them at it. Yeah. Making it mad. Yes. So, um, so yeah, they saw this, this bolt. That's why you'll never be able to beat a rowing competition with these people. <laughs> because you've got a major to study for. <laughs> right. <laughs> they got... To live. Yeah. <laughs> yup. So, yeah, so this bull sperm whale, so it was a male, uh, was acting strangely. It lay motionless on the surface facing the ship and then began to swim towards the vessel, picking up speed by shallow diving. The whale rammed the Essex, rocking her from side to side. You know what? I've seen these motherfuckers around here before. <laughs> and then... Um, Y'all shot my cousin Pookie. <laughs> and then it dived under her, surfacing close to the ship's starboard side. As it as its head lay alongside the bow and the tail by the stern, bring the ops. It was motionless and appeared to be stunned. Chase prepared to har- prepared to harpoon it from the deck when he realized that its tail was only inches from the rudder, cool. which the Jesus. whale could easily destroy if provoked by an attempt to kill it in a flick. Yeah, you know, fearing to leave the ship or fearing to leave the ship stuck thousands of miles from land with no way to steer it. Chase hesitated. The whale recovered, swam several hundred yards forward to the ship, or forward of the ship, and turned to face the ship's bow. Can we also take a second? This man probably just panicked and thought of a really good cover afterwards. It's like, yeah, yeah, oh, his tail yeah. was just you know by that, the rudder. Right. That is actually the way your your brain works. Is your decisions have been made? Period. Like you're done. You made them. 
you you justify for yourself at the moment of making the decision. Yep. At, you, like you like you're in a situation. You can go right or left. You've decided to go right. Now you think about should I go right or left? I'm gonna go right. Here's why. Because yep. your brain already made the decision. You just have to catch up. That's another thing I do when I play video <sighs> games all the time and I make like a really stupid decision and I now have to explain it to my teammates. I'm like, no 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 no. See see well I knew yeah, I knew that if I took this flank route then I was distracting the enemy. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> and oh, yeah. your your brain is doing that to you literally constantly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So this is an ex- this is Chase in his um Journal. This is uh, what Ahab. Yeah, I guess. So I turned. This is our allegory. This is yeah. the guy. I turned around and saw yes. him about one hundred rods, which is five hundred and fifty yards, directly ahead of us, coming down with twice his ordinary speed of around twenty-four knots, which is forty-four kilometers an hour. And it yes, appeared. I know what that is. We're American. <laughs> oh, sorry. Twenty-four knots is basically one arc minute. Per minute, I think I don't know, man. Yeah. Fuck it. It was going twenty four knots. It, it was, was going. It was going like was the going speed of a car in a neighborhood. Yeah. I think faster yeah. than I want a whale coming at me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it appeared with tenfold fury and vengeance in his aspect. The surf flew in all directions about. Say him. that again. That was rad. That was hardcore. It appeared with tenfold fury and vengeance in his aspect. Tenfold fury and vengeance in his aspect. Yeah. That's eloquent. That's definitely a line from Snaps. Pirates Creed. <laughs> Pirates Creed Four: Black Assassins. Black assassins. Yep. So the surf flew in all directions <laughs> about him with the continual violent thrashings of his tail, his head about half out of the water, and in that way he came upon us and again struck the ship. The whale crushed. This is back to not him talking. The whale crushed the bow, driving the vessel backwards, and then finally disengaged its head from the shattered timbers and swam off, never to be seen again, leaving the Essex quickly going down by the bow. It vanished without a trace. Chase and the remaining sailors frantically tried to add rigging to the only remaining whaleboat, while the uh, steward, William Bond, ran below to gather the captain's sea chest and whatever navigational aids he could find. Again, from Chase. So wait, so what what is destroyed at this point? The The, whole everything? The whole ship. ship. Yes. They got one whaling boat. They got three whaling boats. Three whaling boats that are functional. Yes. And 20 men? Uh, 18. 18 men now. Yeah. No, 20. You're right. 20 men. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the captains, this is uh, Chase speaking again. So they're trying to salvage shit from the boat to survive. Okay, right. I got you. So the captain's boat was the first that reached What us. about all the turtles? Tortoises. They, to- can tortoises swim? I don't know. Turtles can. Tortoises got feet, though. Yeah, they don't no. have flippers. <sighs> yeah. Shit. Turtles got flippers. Yes. What you said. So, yeah, I guess they can't swim. Oh, no. They might. Could. I don't really know. I don't know if they can move. Probably they're not going to survive, fast though. Because, like, like, they could probably swim. Like, cows can swim and they got hooves. They're like shell sloths. I don't feel like they could. They probably, again, cows can swim and they have hooves. Yeah, but cows can, like, move at the. Like, I've seen a cow run. I've never seen it. It doesn't matter if a tortoise can swim or not. They're surprisingly quick. It doesn't matter if they can swim or not. They're thousands of miles. Yeah, from that's land. what I was just gonna get at. Uh, like, no matter what, nautical they're miles. gonna dr- drown. They're no. gonna die eventually. Yeah, you're right. You're not gonna let that nautical miles thing go, are you? Nope. It's one point one five one fucking miles, Don. Yeah. God. So this is Chase writing again. The captain's boat was the first that reached us. He that's- stopped about a boat's length off, but had no power to utter a single syllable. 
He was so completely overpowered with the spectacle before him. Flabbergasted, you might say. Yes. Absolutely. He was, after a brief time, however, enabled to address the inquiry to me. My God, Mr. Chase, what is the matter? I answered, we have been stoved by a whale. Stoved? Yes. So the cause of the whale's aggression is not known. And in the book, The Hunt of the, the Heart of the Sea, author Nathaniel Philbrick speculated that it may have first struck the boat accidentally or have had its curiosity aroused by the sound of a hammer as a whaler worked to repair a damaged whaleboat by nailing in a replacement board. The frequency and sound of the nailing may have sounded similar to those made by bull sperm whales to communicate and echolocate. So the Essex was attacked approximately 2,000 nautical miles west of South America. My God. After spending two days salvaging what supplies they could from the waterlogged wreck, the 20 sailors prepared to set out on the three small whaleboats, aware that they had wholly inadequate supplies of food and fresh water for the journey to land. Yeah, you can't... You they, What? Yeah. No. <laughs> the boats were rigged with makeshift masts and sails taken from the Essex, and boards were added to heighten the gunwales to prevent large waves from spilling over the sides. Inside Pollard's sea chest, which Bond quick, Bond's quick thinking had managed to save, were two sets of navigational equipment and two copies of maritime charts. Damn good on him. He literally he knows saved all of them. He, yeah. This has happened to him before. He's like, I know what I need. Last time we got caught, we didn't have this shit. <laughs> These were split between Pollard's and Chase's boats. Joy's boat was left without any means of navigating except to keep within sight of the other boats. Yeah, we ain't losing them. <laughs> Examining the charts, the officers deduced... Oh, I'm tying myself to you. <laughs> right. Understand. Yeah, no, you are now towing We're me. not sailing anymore no we're waiting we are one we're a reserve boat you can pull it we'll switch out so we can go fast but like this the rest boat now (laughs) yeah so examining the charts the officers deduced that the closest known island the marquesas uh were more than 1200 miles from the uh, to the west nautical no this just says just miles this time (laughs) and captain paul uh, let's just assume everything is nautical Miles. No. Okay. Well, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, Captain Pollard intended to make for them, but the crew, led by Chase, voiced their fears that the islands might be inhabited by cannibals and voted to sail east instead. Are just... cannibals more dangerous than aggravated whales on the open ocean? Really? I need to know. <laughs> also, is cannibalism foreshadowing on the open ocean? Maybe. Um, so, yeah. So, they voted to sail east instead for Can South America. Can I have America. us a Donner Party type situation? Unable to sail against the trade winds, the boats would first need to sail south for 1,000 miles before they could take advantage of the westerlies to turn towards South America, which would then still lie another 3,000 miles to the east. And I would sail 1,200 <laughs> nautical miles. miles. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the knowledge that this route would require them to travel twice as far as the route to the Marquesas, Pollard acquiesced to the crew's decision and the boat set their course due south. Food and water were rationed from the beginning, but most of the food had been soaked in seawater. The men ate this food first, despite it increasing their thirst. Oh, because mm-hmm. yeah, there was so much salt in it. Yeah. It took them around two weeks to consume the contaminated food. And by this time, the survivors were rinsing their mouths with seawater no. and, drinking, and drinking their own urine. No, no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> 
Several of the giant tortoises captured from the Galapagos had been brought aboard the oh. whale boats as well. Several. But their size prevented the crew from bringing all of them. No way. <laughs> Never designed for long voyages, all of the whale boats had been very roughly repaired, and leaks were a constant and fundamental problem during the voyage. I love that on this show, no way is synonymous with no shit. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I have to look at Don when I say it. Yeah. And like I don't want to be too rude to Don. Like Some right. of it's for comedy. But like he is my friend. So like <laughs> I, I don't want to fucking, you know. After losing a timber, the crew of one boat had to lean to one side to raise the other side out of the water until another boat was able to draw close, allowing a sailor Ooh. to nail a piece of wood over the hole. And like what people don't understand is they're just like, oh, because this is all flat water while this is happening. Not, like, no. not necessarily. And what people don't understand is like deep, deep sea deep. waves are not like what you the waves that you see. Like, I mean. Granted, like, people that live on, like, some shores, like, they probably do see big waves, like, Hawaii, you know what I mean? That probably has, like, big waves. But, like, here in Florida, like, waves are probably no bigger than, like, maybe 10 foot tall. Right. Like, the yeah, max, exactly you know what, what I, mean? I was going to say, 10 feet. Rarely. These are, like, stories tall waves yeah. and, yeah. like, rolls and stuff. So this is, like, this is not, yeah, like. Yeah, this is out in the wild where crazy shit happens. <laughs> it's a high magic zone. You've got to be careful. <laughs> Like waves big enough to completely capsize every wave, large boats. Large every boats. wave out where they are right now is bigger than their vessels. Right. Yeah. By three to, put, to four by times. By a lot. Like, yeah. Easily. Not to mention they're also in the South Pacific, which is also, we all know, where uh, Ryaleth is and Cthulhu slumbers. Yes. And they're so. all like super dehydrated by now. So oh, they yeah. probably yes. all feel like shit. So These so, are mountains yeah. of Some water of them have that died. come towards Maybe they've you. been eaten. We don't know. We don't know. We'll know by the end. Storms and rough oh, seas boy. frequently plagued the... That means it did happen. ...plagued the tiny <laughs> whaleboats. And the men, were not, men who were not occupied with steering and trimming the sails spent most of their time bailing water from the bilge. On December 20th, exactly one month after the whale attack, and within hours of the crew beginning to die of thirst, the boats landed on uninhabited Henderson Island a small uplifted coral atoll uh, within the modern-day British territory of the Picked Cairn Islands. The men incorrectly believed that they had landed on Ducey Island, a similar atoll 220 miles to the east. Had Common misunderstanding. Land- yeah. Common. Had they landed on Picked Cairn Island itself, 120 mm-hmm. miles to the southwest, they might have received help. The descendants of the, survi- uh, the, descendants of the survivors of the HMS Bounty who had famously mutinied in 1789, still lived there. Holy shit. Yeah. That's another story. Wow. That's cool. That's really cool. I want to know that story. (laughs) On Henderson Island. Where are they in the world right now? South America? They're like in the South Pacific, like thousands of miles off the coast of South America. Okay. So they're just in the part where they're just some like random islands. Yeah. Yes. That's so fucked too. It it really is very like Donner Party-esque because they were so close to being where they could have been saved. Yeah. But- if they can find water, they might be good. Yeah. We shall see. On Henderson's crew, the Essex is, on Henderson Island, the Essex crew found a small freshwater spring below the tide line, and the starving men gorged themselves on endemic birds, crabs, eggs, and peppergrass. Can't blame them. Yeah. After just one week, they had largely exhausted the island's food resources. I can blame them. <laughs> on December 26th, well. they concluded what would... I don't know, man. I'll sacrifice an island if it means I won't die. Right, a whole crew an of An island people. of birds and eggs and peppergrass. Yeah. 
I don't think that's a big loss. Yeah. Yeah, but it depends on how much time we need to recoup to like rebuild things in order to get back on. You know what I mean? Like, you ever been starved? I'm, no, I'm American. That's fair. A middle class American, I should specify. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, probably a while, I'm guessing. <laughs> so they concluded that they would starve if they remained much longer. As most of the crew prepared to set sail in but the But I agree with you. They should have, like, halfway depleted the island, yes. stored up the rest of it, and then yes. left again. Exactly. Like, so as most of the crew prepared to set sail in the whaleboats once again, three men, William Wright, Seth Weeks, and Thomas Chappell, the only white members of the crew who were not natives of Nantucket, opted to stay behind on Henderson. Almost a year later, or a year after the Essex sank, it was reported that the Surrey had rescued the three men and taken them to Port Jackson, Australia. Huh. Hmm. The remaining Essex crewmen, now numbering 17 in three boats, resumed the journey on December 27th with the intention of... Will re- White, we don't want to go with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> with the intention of reaching Easter Island. Or, or, uh, you guys go ahead. It'll give you a better chance. <laughs> Leave us behind. Go on. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. What you don't know is I found the rum. <laughs> <laughs> Within three days, they had exhausted the crabs and birds that they had stockpiled from Henderson. Okay, they in, did stockpile. In, prepar- ah! nice, 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 in preparation nice. for the voyage, leaving only a small reserve of the bread previously salvaged from the Essex. On January 4th, 1821, they estimated that they had drifted too far south of Easter Island to reach it and decided to make for Massa Tierra Island instead, 1,818 miles to the east and 419 miles west of South America. I don't America. know how many miles it is anymore, but like that's a lot of fucking miles. Yeah. yeah. Gone. One by one, the men began to die. Uh-oh. Say it's not so. Second mate Matthew Joy, whose health had been poor even before the Essex left Nantucket, was dying. As his condition steadily worsened, Joy asked if he could rest on Pollard's boat until his death. On January 10th, Joy became the first crew member to die, and Nantucketer Obed Hendricks assumed the leadership of Joy's boat. The following day, Chase's whaleboat, which also carried Richard Peterson, Isaac Cole, Benjamin Lawrence, and Thomas Nickerson, became separated from the others during a squall. Peterson, the oldest crew member, lost the will to live and died on January 18th. What a way to die. Jesus, by losing the will to live, just... (laughs) As with Joy, you know, sometimes it do be like that. Yeah. It do be like, you know what? I could just not. <laughs> I Especially could just fucking not. I know. I'm lower 1900s. class American. Yes, yeah, same, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally what they call a second class citizen. So it's fun to be here where sometimes you wish you could find a great alleyway to just literally fade away in like a video game character. <laughs> Just despawn. Yeah, but just to walk into an alley and it'd de-spawn. be like that sometimes. <laughs> like just like you know what? I'm just gonna derez. Like, <laughs> yep. As with Joy, uh, Peterson was sewn into his clothes and buried at sea, as was the custom. So what? Yeah, he was sewn into his clothes and just basically dumped in the. Ocean. Well, you can't be naked. Yeah. Yeah, but why sew him in the clothes? But the clothes are already like mm. they're already sewn. Why does he like what? You're the history person. I know, and I don't know that one, and it bothers me. (laughs) (laughs) So on February 8th, Isaac Cole died, but the food running out. But with food running out, survivors kept his body. And after a discussion, 
The so men, they already knew. They already had it in their mind. Yeah. They already knew. Uh, the men resorted to cannibalism. I give, guarantee the discussion Again is, with the decisions. Yeah. The discussion is, want to? I mean... Uh, I bet it was way grimmer and more <laughs> dire than that. Yeah. I bet somebody didn't throw the body out, looked around, and was like... So I guess I got to be the first one to say it. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> exactly. Imagine that like long moment of silence. Like where, nobody, like, like the dude dies. Nobody throws the shit off and everybody's looking at each other and they're like, who's going to talk first? Because right. like, we all know what's about exactly. to go down. <laughs> it's like a Mexican standoff type situation where everyone's That's just racist. like, they. is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't know. These I don't days. either. Honestly, I I feel like that's just a the name of a trope. It might it might have racist roots. That's we possible. need to change it to a no win situation standoff. That is politically correct. Okay. No thanks. So they were having their Mexican <laughs> Listen, standoff. I'm and... really okay with lang with like being more inclusive with our language, but you're not taking the spice out of my fucking English. You're not doing it. <laughs> So they were having their Mexican standoff. Yeah. If you say it like that, it's racist. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so saying that because he's having white. having their Mexican standoff. That might now be it's worse. Even more that racist. was 20 different, <laughs> like, all together. That was colonial that racism. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. They were having their Mexican standoff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the dude who was supposed to throw him over, like, didn't. And they're all just kind of having that moment. And then there's the one dude that, like Ruben said, he's like, all right, I'll break the fucking ice then. Are we eating him? We got about 25 minutes before this gets gross. Right. Are we going to do this or not? <laughs> like, And then just could, nobody else says anything. It's like, all right, I'm what? starting the fire. Uh, I was going to ask what time of year it is, but we're... January. This is January, January, but it's in the South Pacific. But it's so. in the South Pacific, so it doesn't matter. That's yeah. going to be... It's going to be hot. Boiling and, they're in and the hot, sun. Yeah. and that's going to rancid so oh, yeah. quickly. So they got to make a decision quick. I think about 25 minutes is exactly right. <laughs> you, got, you got exactly that long to start cooking or throw them off. Yeah. So after the discussion, the men... You got to start clean. Yeah. 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 It's... The, the men resorted to cannibalism. Yup. They ate his liver and kidneys, but struggled to eat the sinewy flesh. That's really? the detail I didn't really need. Yeah, I mean, I well, get it. Because, like, you can say liver and kidney because you could eat other various types of livers and kidneys. Especially yeah, at I love that time. Right. But, like, if you're trying to eat man flesh, yeah. it's going to be <laughs> tougher mentally. Meat's yeah. back on the menu, boys. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keep in mind though, they couldn't cook it either. No. So they were having to just chop it up and eat it raw. raw. Oh, shit. They were raw dogging yeah. it. Yeah. So. I don't like raw dogging it in this. Co- Hendrix's nah, boat. No. It makes uh, me real sad that people had to do shit like this, like yeah. just in history. Yeah. Hendrix. We like, should do Donner Party. We oh, should definitely we do Donner oh, Party. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> eventually, we're going to just give up the whole precursor of an urban legend show, and we're just going to start talking about whatever. We are two towns over. We talk about shit. Get on yep. board. <laughs> <laughs> Hendrix's boat carrying crew members William Bond, Lawson Thomas, Charles Shorter, Isaiah Shepard, and William Joseph- Bond? Yes. Okay. And Joseph West <laughs> exhausted its food supply on January 14th, Definitely and, went by Billy. It's definitely Billy Bond. Billy Bond, baby. Yeah. And Pollard generously... Billy Bond, the, Billy Bond, the big mouth... Bastard. Boy, uh, bastard. What, bosun. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, Pollard... Because it had to be nautical. 
It's got to yeah. be a single oh, name. Fair. Pollard genuous, genu, genu, generously yeah, you got offered it. to share his own boat's remaining provisions. Pollard's boat carried Samuel Reed, Owen Coffin, Barzali, or Bar, Bar, oh my God, Barzalay Ray. I think most of these people will die, so I'm not paying attention yeah, to And Charles Ransdale. They ran out of food on January 21st. Thomas died on January 20th, and the others decided they had no choice but to keep the body for food. Shorter. Hey, guys, this this time it lasted shorter. <laughs> yeah. The decision was already made once, yeah. and they were like, hey, so again? I want the thigh. I feel like it happens a lot quicker the second time. Oh, yeah. Like, you are already cannibals. How the many bodies? Okay, gone. right yeah. now, right now on this podcast, I want us to discuss this. How many bodies do you think it would take before you're just like a cannibal now? One. One. No, One. no, no. Not technically. Oh. I mean, like... Before, before you're you like acquire a taste, right? Oh, um, before you go like I think it depends on, on how much crazy you have well, going into yeah. the situation. I would like to I'll, let's narrow it down. There's what an I X mean factor. is how long before you stop being grossed out by the fact that it's human oh. meat, like like before it's like oh it's just human meat. I might not like human meat, but it is it's just meat. Like you know what I'm saying? Because it's it, in my head, I'm thinking in a situation like we're hearing about now, three, maybe four bodies. Depends on by how the fifth long. Body, by the fifth body, at this point, they've been out for months and months. They've been starving like two or three times. I was yeah. just going to say, it literally depends. Like if I'm in a situation where I'm already like dehydrated, I'm already not thinking straight, like I am a ginger, so if sun exposure in any amount is <laughs> going to be... you would die first out of the people. I literally yeah. would. I would have already been cooked for you guys. Like it just would be, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, like sun exposure, like everything would not be fun for me personally. So like... Yeah, those are factors, but I just feel like under other circumstances, like if I was just being given this thing and that was the only thing that I was given, I would hope that it's more. But I also can say in that situation, it would unfortunately be a low number of bodies for me to I'm get gonna, to I'm going to say four yeah. or five. Yeah. I'm thinking it's below 10. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, you guys are really making me worry about the legend tripping because well, well we'll see we'll see I? I guess huh? but like I? I mean I hope not but like because I don't want to be like you know we're driving for like two hours without a gas station and you're like suddenly you're like uh because uh, like I'm imagining who goes down what's the what's the situation where you would have the most fun control over whether or not <laughs> like you know what I'm saying like John. in any situation where you're eating human meat for anyone in this room. Somebody's forcing that on you, or the situation is. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, so you're either kidnapped and a weird, crazy joker person is feeding you human bodies, or you're on the open ocean dying with 15 other dudes, and somebody dies, and you're all like, Well, I'm hungry. Well, what I'm about hungry, you? and I don't want to die. Right. So, like, we're eating Bob. <laughs> and, like, I'm saying that in any of situation where you're forced to eat human meat consistently... That it's gonna take a few amount of like very few, because saying you're already in such a situation where you're eating human flesh, you are going to be in the situation where it's going to be like yeah, it's gonna become easier and easier as your yeah. body and brain readjust to the survival situation. Yeah, right. makes, like literally for coping mechanisms, makes it a norm in your mm-hmm. 
in you. Yeah. That that's the X factor. Is, shame it's how hungry you've been. Shame and times. morals don't really exist when you get in a life or death, a long term life or death situation like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, morals exist if you're like getting shot at or whatever, sure. But like again, if you are stranded in the desert for fucking forty days and forty nights. But then it's 40 years, and you're like, yeah. what do I do? Morals don't exist. Survival moral survival exists. There's a, there's a formula to it, and it's like your will to live times how long it's been. And I'm not going to say Times how like, many bodies you've already eaten. I'm not going to go so far as to anime villain it and be like, <laughs> good and bad doesn't exist, whatever. Like, sh- I don't think that I would ever I... do certain things, even in a situation like that. But, like, shame... Is not a factor. Yeah. Well, at that social point. stigmas are no longer a factor. Right, like, right. let's be honest. Like, at the end of the day, social stigmas are just like, oh my God, Karen's going to think I'm dumb. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, right. someone's going to be judging me. You know what I mean? Like, but I feel like morals and social stigmas are two different things. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that if you're a Christian group in this situation, that you're not going to pray first, but you're still going to eat that body. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, one eats fastest is the one eats the most. If you got <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you are forced into it you might pray about it god please forgive me i'm still gonna do this because i want to live uh, the like, donner party did they had i wonder if they said grace you know american uh murder song the terrence the dunnich and look you, listener no. your your strength you of will might literally be godlike i don't know but i'm betting it's not so i'm um, hopefully none of us have to deal with that but no yeah. matter where you get stranded in America, you're probably not going to have to resort to cannibalism. Yeah, Americans are cool. Like, we're, we're well, actually, let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. Americans are going to be okay usually. Yeah. Except maybe not now. But no, Terrence Sedunich and then I forget More the other guy's five. name. They did. They have a band called American Horrors. I played music for you before. American Murder Songs. Oh, okay. They did an entire album about the Donner Party. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. Anywho... um. But then I guess going back to you real fast, if you take the the, the social cues and the that stuff out of it, because you know I'm, I'm playing Fallout Four and you make food out of dog meat and you know rat meat and stuff, at, at, it's going to be the same thing. How long does it take you to acquire a taste for something you're not used to eating? Yeah. Well, I mean, like legitimately, any other time period, like Tudor time period and stuff like that, they would like. The people who brought milk, like, they literally were thickening it with poo and with, you know what I mean? Like, what? just random things. And it it was absurd what people would put into things. Like, during, um, I'm, um, Audrey Hepburn, um, actually, I know, okay, so don't get mad at me if I have this slightly wrong, but, um, she had to live off of, uh, grass loaves, like, because during, um, World War II, um, she literally, like, they had to make loaves from grass, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people will adapt and do whatever they can at the time, and you will, like... This being my point, is that pe- yeah, you yeah. are a biological machine whose whole ability to, like, the whole, we, opposable thumbs thing got shit to do with it. It's our ability to adapt to harsh environments and situations quickly, like much more quickly than most animals on this planet. That is the only difference, language and adaptation that we did so that we could communicate more efficiently. 
And like Don mentioned Fallout 4. If you're the main character in Fallout 4, it takes you zero time at all. You just have to get a perk. That's true. Yeah, if you get a perk, you can gain health from eating. Or or you get right out of your pod and just start eating rad roach meat. Yeah. Takes no time. What is the name of the the microscopic creature? A tardigrade, tardigrade. a.k.a. water bear? Yeah. They, you know what those are? No. They are like microscopic creatures that can survive pretty much anything. Yeah. They've been. Like in the universe. Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. They've tested it. To, like to absurd degrees of like near ke- like zero Kelvin and mm-hmm. like real hot like the sun type shit like yeah. they they kind of go into this hyper hibernation and can survive the vacuum of space for like it seems to be indefinitely. Huh. Like, so we've got little aliens living with us. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, cool. they're terrifying. Also, squids actually. can sort of. I think it's squids. It might be a certain type of octopus. I can't remember. But uh, one of those uh, can literally decide to evolve <laughs> within one generate. Like their their genetic structure is such that they can manually edit it. That's like why our you want to though. Our why it's way da- it's way to? more dangerous. Mutations are way more common. Oh. Um, and we are most DNA has like uh, fuck. It's like it's the RNA is the yeah. part that yeah. does it. Where it's like. It's the blueprint and the fact checker, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the one that checks the copy, the facsimile, of your <laughs> DNA and for error and then either destroys it or allows it to go into the process or whatever. I'm going to get a tramp stamp of the word facsimile. Instead of having that. <laughs> In like this animal, Times this New Roman. Octopus or the squid. Can like it sort of it doesn't like no, literally man. do it in its, no, it's brain mind. New. It's got to be like, but like it isn't like consciously, but it is like you know. if they find themselves in a harsher climate, they're they will automatically sort of oh, there's not a whole lot of food and it's cold, so I will adapt to survive where there's not a lot of food and it's cold. Like it's you know it's not a hundred percent. It's way more dangerous than what most animals do for, for evolution, but it's quick, it's dirty and effective. Right. Huh. So they decided to keep the body for food. Uh, Shorter died on January 23rd, Shepard on January 27th, and Reed on January 28th. Later that day, the two boats separated. Hold on. How many? What? Three guys died like in almost like daily succession. I got to be honest with y'all. How many bodies do you think it would take to feed how many people for how long? Because humans are not small. Well, if they can't eat the skin, if they can't stomach like the actual flesh, then a lot of bodies would be required if they're just eating like the, the kidney and the liver That's and true. stuff. You're right. But if they manage to stomach the flesh or if they find a way to make a little campfire to cook it to make it more palatable, then I think it would probably only take like two or three bodies to last the rest of them like until they could get somewhere. Yeah. So later on Jan- later that day on January make some 28th, jerky. Yeah. the two boats separated. Hendrix's boat was never seen again. All three men are presumed. That was to the have, campfire. All three men are presumed to have died at sea. <clears throat> a whaleboat was later found washed so it's up on just the organs. Then, yeah. yeah. Uh, a whaleboat was later found washed up on Ducey Island with the skeletons of three people inside. Although it was suspected to be Obed Hendrix's missing boat and the remains of those of Hendrix, Bond, and West, the remains have never been positively identified. By February first, the food on Pollard's boat was again exhausted. And the survivor situation became dire. So we're talking about, let's see here, the guy died on the 20th, and we're talking February 1st. So 12 days, they're out of food again. Mm -hmm. 
That's a significant amount of time. Yeah. That's longer than I thought, to be yeah. completely honest. <clears throat> but with those guys dying it's in almost succession, two weeks. you can't keep yeah. them for a week. Yeah, but that's three bodies for what? What? What are we down to? Like and 10 they dudes don't now? have fresh water. That's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah so we're, we three gotta, stayed we're down on to, that island. Yeah, three so more disappeared. So we're down to 14. 14. And then these three dudes just died. Yeah. So, so now that's we're down to 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> by February 1st, the food on Pollard's boat was again exhausted and the survivor situation became dire. The men drew lots to determine who would be sacrificed for the survival of the remainder. There we are. Ooh. That's your number. <laughs> They now are deciding. That's that is your literally, number. that's even farther than I took it, though. But because that's like now who is going to be killed on purpose. And that only took, what, nine bodies or less? Yeah. yeah. That's, I, that's what I'm saying, man. Less than 10 and yep. you do some crazy shit. <laughs> like, I love the drawing lots thing. There's in the new season of Love, Death, Robots. There's a there's a ship situation where they're like getting attacked by a sea monster and they're drawing lots uh, to see who they're going to, like, feed to the monster or whatever. And the biggest, burliest dude draws the short lot. And he takes it and looks at it. And he's like, well, all right, now that we've selected a leader, what are we going to do? Don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. die. I mean, it's good. <coughs> all right. Audience knows what's up. A young man named <laughs> Owen Coffin, Captain Pollard's 18-year-old first cousin, whom he had sworn to protect, drew the black spot. Pollard allegedly offered to protect his cousin, but Coffin is said to have replied, no, I like my lot as well as any other. Yeah, yeah, Damn. that's my point. Uh, kill me now or later, yeah. I don't care. Like I'm not going to be alive when you eat me, so I don't care. Yeah. So lots were also... They're just so over it yeah. at this point. Like, fuck it. We're probably all going to die. You guys want to live longer If this? anyone fucking lives through this and goes out to sea again, I will I fucking die. I will die. It's the only life they know. Fuck that. <laughs> so lots were drawn again to determine who would be caught. I'm a regular ass fisherman now. <laughs> uh, I see the shore. Yeah. I'll go further. Um, lots were drawn again to determine who would be Coffin's executioner. His young friend, Charles Ramsdale, drew the black spot. Ramsdale shot Coffin, Coffin and Ramsdale, Pollard, and Barzillai Ray consumed the body. On February 11th, Ray also died. For the remainder of their journey, Pollard and Ramsdale survived by gnawing on coffin and coffins and Ray's bones. By February 15th, the three survivors of Chase's whaleboat had again run out of food. On February 18th, 89... 89- I just feel like every time you say they ran out of food, that just means they ran out of human. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like four times now. Yep. <laughs> so, on February 18th... We ate all the birds on this whole island. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, people. Yeah. So 89 days after the Essex sank off the coast of Chile. But again, to my point, they're calling it food. Yeah. Yes. It is now it's food. It's just food now. You're just living food. There's so, no judgment here, by the way. Like, these people were put in a situation that I will never hopefully be put into. Oh, no, I have right. no place to judge them. But, I'm not ah. judging. I'm just trying to... I want to make it clear to the audience, like, you are not different than these men. Yeah. Right. No. You are not different than these men. No. So, 89 days after the Essex sank on February 18th off the coast of Chile, 
the British vessel Indian spotted and rescued Chase, Lawrence, and Nickerson. Three left out of well, the two. No, no, no. Oh. Several days after that rescue, the empty whaleboat was lost in a storm while under tow behind the Indian. Pollard's boat, now containing only Pollard and Ramsdale, were rescued when within sight of the South American coast by the Nantucket whale ship Dauphin uh, 93 days after the Essex sank on February 23rd. So what's that, five people? Uh, five plus the three that stayed on the island that were found. So eight people total survived. Eight people survived out of, out of, out of, of how many? Out of, 20, well, uh, 20 that were in the wreck. Yeah, 21 original people yeah. on the boat, and then one of them left at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Out of Canes. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so Pollard and Ramsdale by that time were so completely dissociative that they did not even notice Dolphin alongside them. And became terrified when they wow. saw their rescuers. Okay, so can I like add to this really quick? Because I think it's super cool. Okay, so on how where we live locally, we had a crew of guys um, who had never like been on a rowboat ever before. And like for a good cause for um, veterans, um, PTSD and stuff like that. They They literally rowed across the, oh shoot, I just panicked. The Atlantic? Yeah. Yes. Jesus. I panicked. After having never been on a rowboat before? Never. No. And like, you have to understand like. Those motherfuckers might could have kept up. Like, but like. (laughs) That's hardcore. But like, like, you know, like collegiate, like rowing, you know what I mean? Like that kind of a boat. And they were there for months. It took them months to get across. And I I got to sit in and like listen to them. And something that I thought was super cool is like they in their minds, they were thinking it was like just going to be like so hot and like so balmy and like all of those things. Like people don't realize like when there is no sun, there is no heat. And like when there is no reflection of a moon, like a new moon, like it was pitch black dark. Like they had a video of one of them sitting like he was the video, the one video videoing was still and then the person rowing would row like push up so he was like inches from the camera and the moment he got about past a foot away from him you could not see him yeah it was pitch black Mm -hmm. and they said they would be in the middle of those things they were about halfway through um it might even been sooner than that they would start hallucinating like they were fed they they actually were in a calorie deficiency because they physically couldn't carry enough food but they weren't in a crazy calorie deficiency Mm -hmm. but um like brain will do funky shit to you when you're deprived of your senses yeah in the middle of the pitch black dark he they would see like he's like i felt like a car was coming at me like you know like passing you like on a highway or something because that's what your brain is making associations it's trying to keep you safe it's pitch black and there's nothing happening but the sound of rushing something. That's a car. It's coming. Yeah. And you're so like, out of it. So I th- I just say that to say, like, like in our minds, we're like, how do you not see a huge, like, ship, you know, coming up beside you or whatever? You know what I mean? But, like, you, and the men that I'm talking no, I've about. I've associated before. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the men that I'm talking about, like, actually did have rations, actually were eating every day. These men were not. Right. Yeah. So on March 5th. So, yeah, no, I get it. You're yeah. like, imagine what type of shit these motherfuckers were yeah. Right. We're talking 93 days. 93 days. Yeah. That's three wild. Months. Yeah. The next longest one that I know about was only like 76 only, like 76 days. And that right. was more modern. And that dude had like a life raft and he was in a place where there was a lot of fish. Right. So he got lucky enough to survive. But even he had like 
fucking atrophied muscles. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It so, does not take as long as you think for muscles to atrophy. No. If you don't use them, these, they go away. The men that I... The men in... The four men on this rowboat... It's not a rowboat, guys, but you know what I mean. Um, they literally, because they were in, I think, like a 500-calorie deficiency each day, literally their, they said that their pelvic muscle, not, not pelvic muscles, their pelvic bones started to, like, form to the bench. Like, they actually started to angle wow. in because they showed before, like, they left pictures and before they came back pictures, these men were sunken. These men yeah. were hollow. And they were healthy eating every single day. Right. So, if like, that just puts it in perspective of what these men must have looked like. They right. were Those are modern, well-taken-care-of men. Yes. And we are thinking of, this was 18... 18-something. 18 84, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. No. No, no, that was, that no, was, it was I 18, thought it was in the 1900s. No, this is 1800s. Because oh, wow. I remember thinking at one point when they were talking about the free slave men, this was before uh, Civil yeah, War. Yeah. You're right. Or I the associated. free black men, not slave men. <laughs> um, so on March 5th, the, Dolph- the Dolphin encountered two brothers, which was sail- which is the name of the boat, uh, which was sailing to Valparaiso Paraiso, and transferred the two men to her. After a few days in Valparaiso, Chase, Lawrence, and Nickerson were transferred to the frigate USS Constellation and placed under the care of the ship's doctor who oversaw their recovery. After officials were informed that the three Essex survivors, Wright, Weeks, and Chapel, had been left behind on Ducey Island, they were actually left on Henderson Island, uh, the authorities asked the merchant vessel uh, Surrey, who who already intended to sail across the Pacific to look for the men. The rescue succeeded, and on March 17th, Pollard and Ramsdale were reunited with Chase, Lawrence, and Nickerson. By the time the last of the eight survivors were rescued on April 5th, 1821, the corpses, the corpses of several fellow sailors had been consumed. All eight went to sea again within months of their return to Nantucket. All of them! There it yeah. is. Wow! Herman, God damn it, that's I gotta the way die. of life. <laughs> Herman, Give it time, you'll get there. Yeah, I'll, yeah eventually. Herman Melville later <laughs> speculated. Uh-huh. <laughs> Herman Melville later speculated that all would have survived had they followed Captain Pollard's recommendation and sailed to Tahiti. Pollard returned to sea in early 1822 to captain the whale ship The Two Brothers. She was wrecked on the French frigate Shoals during a storm off Don't the coast of Hawaii. Don't let that man captain some shit no more. <laughs> right. Yeah, off the coast of Hawaii on its first voyage, after which he joined a merchant vessel which was wrecked off the Sandwich Islands. Motherfucker! Shortly thereafter. By now, Pollard was considered a Jonah, which means unlucky, and no ship owner would trust him to sail on a no ship shit. again. So he was forced to retire. He subsequently became Nantucket's night guard. Every November 20th, he would reportedly lock himself in his room and fast in memory of the men of the Essex. He died in Nantucket on January 7th, 1870, at the age of 78. Damn, that's old, that old. for back then. Wow. First Holy mate, shit. First mate Owen Chase returned to Nantucket on June 11th, 1821, to find he had a 14-month-old daughter he had never met. Four months later, he had completed an account of the disaster. I don't know what it is with these titles. The narrative of the most extraordinary and distressing shipwreck of the whale ship Essex. Yeah, that sounds about right for yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, had that's the book I have. Oh, really? Yeah, it's actually, it's yeah. him and there's like a couple other people that actually write their what Account, happened. yeah. Account, thank you. Uh, Herman Melville used it as one of his inspirations. See, I know some words. Of the, <laughs> used it as one of the inspirations for his we novel Moby some. Dick. In December, Chase sailed as first mate on the whaler Florida 
and then as captain of the Winslow for each subsequent voyage until he could afford to build his own whaler called the Charles Carroll. Chase remained at sea for 19 years, only returning home for short periods every two or three years, each time fathering a child. Of course. His first two (laughs) wives died while he was at sea. He divorced his third wife when he found she had given birth 16 months after he had last seen her, (laughs) although he subsequently brought up the child as his own. I mean, that's admirable for the time, honestly. Yeah. Like... Instead of killing a woman, you divorce her, and then also you still raise some some other dude's kid. Yeah. It's better than Henry VIII did. Way better. <laughs> Way better. Probably Too bad. was a helpful farmhand or something. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, he was a useful whatever, but like, <laughs> if, if... It was probably a know, boy, too. Sure. Sure. The, but again, 1820-something. Yeah. yeah. I'll in give se- it to him. In September of 1840, two months after the divorce was finalized... He married for the fourth and final time and retired from whaling. Memories of the harrowing ordeal on the Essex haunted Chase, and he suffered terrible headaches and nightmares. Yeah, but same. Later in his life, he began hiding food in the attic of his Nantucket house on Orange Street and was eventually institutionalized. He died in Nantucket on March 7th in 1869 at the age of 73. Wow. Again, very old. The cabin boy, Thomas Nickerson, became a captain in the merchant service and late in his life wrote his own account of the sinking titled The Loss of the Ship Essex Sunk by a Whale and the Ordeal of the Crew in Open Boats. They knew words and they were proud of it. Let them have their titles. Sailors were Me a too. loquacious bunch. Nickerson wrote this account 56 years after the sinking. In 1876... Or yeah, the sinking in eighteen seventy six. We got to get more creative with our titles, boys. Yeah. We should have some ridiculous Definitely. fucking titles. Yeah, just for this episode at least. And it Fully. was lost until nineteen sixty. The Nantucket Historical Association published it in nineteen eighty four. He died in February of eighteen eighty three at the age of seventy seven. Two towns over. The story of four idiots who talk about a ship that got sunk and one idiot who doesn't know the word facsimile. <laughs> <laughs> um, Extraordinary has to be worked in there somehow. And oh, Nantucket true. sleigh ride. Yes. <laughs> it uh, should be called like Nantucket Sleigh Ride, the story of four idiots who learned about cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> the other surviving crew members met various fates. Daunting, the daunting story of yeah. some cannibals. Yeah. Something yeah. like this. Thomas Chapel died of the of plague fever in Timor while working as a missionary. William Wright was lost in a hurricane in the West Indies. Charles Ramsdale died in Nantucket on July eighth in eighteen sixty six at the age of sixty two. Benjamin Lawrence died in Nantucket on March 28, 1879, at the age of 80. And Sean Weeks died in Barnstable County, Massachusetts, on September 12, 1887, the last of the Essex survivors to die. Wait, how old was he? I need to know. doesn't say. Fuck! Well, you'll never know now. And you will live with that for the rest of your life, much like you live without knowing facts. God damn it! I've never heard the long form of the word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who says facts it's a fucking facts people who were like alive in the 80s or something all Jeez. facts no printer but the thing is is that the facsimile that we use today was talking about a copy of something right a facsimile is like a representation slash co- it's like um 
fuck. Well, literally think like break down the word. A fact is a true thing, and a simile is like an like yeah. a also it's, it's like, like a, a representation of a true like thing, basically. Yeah. No, is wait. what the word means. Simile is using like her ass. Uh, simile yeah. is the same. A similar. No. Simile. I'm thinking synonym, damn it. You're all right. You're all correct. <laughs> we're all talking about different things. Uh-huh. We're all right, but we're on different pages. We're on some root words right now. And, <laughs> and that's it. That's the story of the Essex. Um, it was fun. And we now have new sexual... Um, and I call cannibalism. Right. Yes, that's right. Well, I mean, listen. it came up one too many times. Yeah. You said cannibalism at the beginning, and then like the second time you said it, I'm like, someone's gonna get eaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we knew it was a shipwreck, so I mean, okay, shipwreck and cannibalism. Do the two just go together, though? I'm just, I'm kind, kind of, I'm proud of myself. Give me this, okay? Okay. Thanks. No, it's good though. It is. You, you got there first. I got yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the end. Uh, anyway, follow us. Like us, share us, rate us, all the, you know, do, do stuff. all that stuff. Please. Follow us on Facebook. God's sake, share us with your dot friends. com slash TTO pod. Fuck cancer. Share. Follow us on, us on Patreon. Facebook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com slash two towns over. You have to type it into the URL because we are tagged as explicit. I wonder if you could tell that from this episode. <laughs> um, also, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, the best way is to email us at uh, RDJ. Two towns over at gmail.com. The best or way is to message us on Facebook. Message us on the Facebook. email is a great alternative. Yeah. If you have suggestions for us, future episodes, uh, hometown haints type stuff, Facebook that shit to us. Email us if you don't have Facebook. And we'd like to thank our newest patron, Lex Be Better. Uh, we want to thank her. We want to thank, because she hasn't gotten as much love as some of the other people. We want to thank Aaron Rutledge, Jordan, Jordan Whitley, Gina Arnold. Amy Rennie, Pat Zabrowski, and Beth Lawrence. We haven't forgotten about the rest of you, but there's enough of you now that like we're just gonna have to rotate. It's gonna, it's gonna be guys. like five or six an episode now. We'll, but we we'll, love we'll you all. all. Yes, but we we want to thank Kat for joining us again. Yes. Um, you have anything you would like to plug or just no? No, I just I think these boys are so awesome. I think everyone <laughs> who's listening to this is listening. Like, I just I don't know. I. They're pretty darn awesome. What they're doing is fun and cool, and it makes people smile and think, and that's all that we need in the world. Yes, yeah, so you don't need anything else. You just need us. Nah. Again, last week was so vulgar the entire time, and then Cat is so wholesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's honestly such a fucking whiplash. It it's, really I, is. I don't know. We still had Nantucket Sleigh Ride thrown in. We <laughs> but it was just thrown in. But that wasn't like our fault. Yeah. That was the people in the 1800s who couldn't see into the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you, everybody, for uh, listening. I've been Don. I've been Ruben. I've been wrong about the word facsimile. For years. <laughs> And I've been Kat. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Yo, ho, hold together.